Hello and welcome, listeners. Welcome back to another episode of Cathode Raycast, the Story Screen Presents podcast where we talk all things television. I'm your host, Bernadette Gorman-White, and today I'm joined by Robbie Anderson. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. How are you doing this fine evening? I'm good. I'm chilling. It was really hot today. Uh, mm-hmm. but I've mostly been in the air conditioning like a big baby. And that's how I, that's, I like to be a big cold baby most of the time. That sounds lovely. It sounds like great. a great day. It is probably better than people who had to be a big hot baby. For the most yes. Part. Unless they're into that. I don't know. Yeah. We don't want to like kink shame anyone, but no, it doesn't my sound too is, desirable. My preference is, is to be ice ice baby all the time. That is my choice. That's what I want. So it's been a good day, all things considered. I can't complain. (laughs) Well, that's great. (laughs) So, Robbie, this is going to actually slightly piggyback off of your most recent hot take, which we published uh, just earlier this week as we're recording. You and Diana DeMuro covered Black Widow for a hot take. And so we're really back in like the thick of things with Marvel because we're here to discuss the first season, the six-parter. Loki on Disney Plus of Marvel fame. And uh, I think I'm interested to talk to you about it because I think different conversations could have been had for, even though it's such a short season, for the first half and then the second half of the season. I'm interested because it's only been, you know, not even 24 hours since I watched the finale. And I haven't really delved into the internet to see what the response was to the finale. So I'm excited to talk to you because I haven't really fleshed out any thought on that yet. But what was your initial take? Uh, Cathode Raycast listeners, by the way, we're going to get into spoilers. We don't really have a spoiler-free territory. But Robbie, what was your initial reaction to Loki at the beginning of the season? At the beginning of the season? Yeah. I was was into it. I mean, so far I've been a pretty... Big fan of uh, Marvel's like television forays. Um, I think the the weakest of the three is Captain Soldier Winter Falcon, um, which I still thought was like pretty good. Um, and if you watch like their like behind the scenes documentary stuff, they like definitely were affected by COVID. But I'd imagine that they all probably were to a certain extent. Yeah. Um, but like I still I still enjoyed the show, but I thought it had like it, it was the weakest of the bunch. Um, and the beginning, so like, you know, I guess like beginning of Loki or at least like first episode impressions of Loki, I was like super promising, super cool. Um, I really liked the analog world of the TVA and the set design and all that. I thought that was all really cool. Um, I thought it was really interesting seeing like Thomas Hiddleston's Loki, like <laughs> kind of be like, I remember in, I was just like, oh, he's playing, he's, he's like kind of one note, like Loki's kind of just a one note character and he's kind of playing it on purpose where he's like, He's doing the 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 uh, like twenty twelve Avengers Loki isms, and then you start to see them break as they kind of like break apart that character and like fracture that character, and right. then the kind of the rest of the season is, is kind of like that Loki kind of coming to terms with his Loki isms, and I think that that's all really interesting. And and um, but yeah, it, to to keep it just on the beginning impressions, I I thought the show was really cool in what it was pitching. Um, much like how I really liked the, the first few episodes, I liked WandaVision a lot, but I really liked those first few episodes a lot, a lot. Like, I think, I think when it's, 
when that show was like trying to be like weird and kind of mysterious is when it was its strongest. And then as it became uh normie style, <laughs> I was less into it, but I still really enjoyed it. And I also, you know, want to keep in mind that this show is for like the biggest audience on the planet. So they got to be a little normie style with things. So I think that's important to keep in mind, at least for myself when I, have illusions of grandeur and want more, want more Legion. As I watch these shows, I'm like, I just want more Legion, though. Agreed. Um, but enjoy it. Show the the TLDR. Think I think it's I think it was cool. I thought it was cool in the beginning. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I completely agree with you. Um, the TVA itself, especially in the set design, was giving me big D three uh, vibes from Legion for sure with the mm-hmm. curved hallways. Yeah, definitely. And, like, the cool, like, factory setting. And I even thought, like, the color palette that they chose to use in Loki with, like, the oranges and the browns. Beige, yeah. Yeah, it was very, very retro and 60s inspired, which Legion kind of has that vibe throughout the entire run. Um, All three seasons kind of have, like, this, like, cool retro vibe going on. Um, I completely agree with you. When it comes to these three Marvel television series on Disney Plus at the moment, really dug WandaVision uh, as a whole. I definitely enjoyed parts of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, It did fall apart for me in certain episodes, and especially towards the end. It's just so difficult for these Marvel shows, I think, to get to the end because they know that they have to tie it in to the grand scheme of the Marvel universe that it almost never quite feels long enough. Like they have enough time to bridge like this cool individualistic television show that they've created into weaving the threads back into the general, much larger story. Um, I, I kind of wished that the Falcon and the winter soldier and Loki could have switched their episode order I think the Falcon and the Winter Soldier would have benefited from a tighter six episode season because yeah, it I seemed like, yeah, within like episode like seven and eight, it kind of meandered a little bit. And I think if they would have had to be tighter, they would have cut a lot of that fat. They would have trimmed a lot of the fat of the show. And Loki, I think, could have benefited from maybe a few more episodes of them just fucking around and doing weird Loki shit, which was fun to watch the entire time. Yeah, I mean, that world's yeah. super entertaining, whereas, like, in Captain Soldier Winter Falcon, the world is just, like, you know, no, no, it's our world, essentially. It's just, like, normal yeah. style, for the most part. I mean, I think it's hard, because, like, you know, Marvel's kind of in these two camps now, where there's, like, the spy espionage mm-hmm. style, and then there's, like, the the cosmic orgasm uh, era, which like I like both. I think I like one a little bit more. You can probably guess which one has yeah. a better name. Um, <laughs> Cosmic Gumbo. Yeah. Cosmic. Gu- it was <laughs> Cosmic Gumbo. Um, yeah, I totally agree with that. And I agree with your um, uh, talking about just like how these shows kind of kind of lack like catharsis in some ways, which I think like TV is known to do. I think that's okay yes. because like they're they have more. There's more to come. They can't be too cathartic. But I think right. it's the problem that a lot of the, like, Marvel Phase 2 really had, where a lot of the movies are just like, so all these movies are setting up more movies? So what am I want? Like, what the fuck is going on here? Which, I think these shows do a little bit better, but they kind of have the same 
problem in some ways, you know? We were just like, so what's what's the next thing going to be? And is that set up the next thing? When's the thing? What's when, the thing? <laughs> what's the big event? Yeah, and we don't know what, like, uh, team-up movies look like going forward. So I think that's also a little, like, tough to set expectations to a certain extent. I also think, like, you know... It, Sometimes as a fan, you just gotta fucking chill and be like, all right, just yes. watch what it is. Um, but I have trouble doing that. I know, I bet other people do too. For sure. Yeah, because to my knowledge, so far, WandaVision is a one-off. And the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, now Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Yeah. I believe that was also a one-off. Um, I think so, because then they announced the movie. Yes. So, Which is also weird. Yes. <laughs> but- <laughs> so so far we'll out of these three series, Loki is the only one that is confirmed getting a second season, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, as far yeah, as as I believe that is correct. I think WandaVision's the one that's like the least likely to get another WandaVision. Yeah. I mean, and the thing is they could they could totally you know, they could come out with a show that's like White Vision, which is basically the sequel to WandaVision, right? Like yeah, they they could play with it like you know it's like the spiritual successor to the show that you liked. Um, it just depends on what like the future of the MCU really looks like. But but Loki is the one that is has like the actual like the big two on it, right? The big stamp at the end. The big the big the big two being like no we're we're coming back for another six or more or, or less. more or less. Who yeah. knows. So yeah, let's get into the second half then, and kind of like just the general plot as a whole, and talk about that for a little bit, which will of course involve these wonderful, beautiful actors that we got to stare at for six episodes. They are all very, very hot. Very hot and pretty, as most of the Marvel cast is, but... That's true. But yeah, you brought up These guys in particular. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. You brought up a good point earlier that it was interesting that we were seeing Tom Hiddleston reprise his role as Loki, but this was a different Loki than what we're used to seeing. Yeah. So, yeah, that was really fun to watch. Uh, Tom Hiddleston really, like, digging his teeth into a character that had, I think, more depth than any of the Lokis that we've seen in the other installments, just because it was him. He was the star of the show. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, it, it was because like the things I noticed about like in the first episode, like he's doing the like, um, you know, burn, you'll be able to see this. The listeners won't. But it, like the uh, the kind of like he looks at it's like <laughs> like that, that move. Like he <laughs> yes. does that. I remember or his in the first episode, chest kind of moves a little bit, like, but not really, like, <laughs> you know, and he's just like he's, he does like the cough laugh. It's just like, oh, you think you have a touche, but I actually am in the carrier of touche here in this conversation. And he does that like five times in that first episode. I remember being like, how many fucking times is he going to do this? That's like his move (laughs) in the other movies. He does that shit all the time in the movies. And then like, that's kind of the only episode where he does that. After that, he starts like breaking it apart. And like, yeah, I think, so what I really liked about those first two episodes is just the, how does one recontextualize Loki? And then what really does like, you know, quote unquote god of mischief mean what does this character mean what what if we had a character that could like see his death and see his faults and learn from it in that way and how does he learn from it how doesn't like you know the whole nurture versus nature debate is like super it's like the thesis of the show to a certain extent or at least one of the thesi i think that they set up 
Right. Um, and then the second half of the season, I do think does that, but I think it's um, th- it's the second half of all of these seasons for all the Marvel shows is kind of when the MCU machine wakes up, right, and starts the gears start to turn, and then they're just like, all right, so who what's what's the reveal at the end? What's the how does this tie into the thing? Who's the actual big bad? And um, and like t- t- for the most part, I actually really do like that aspect of watching these shows. I like going on uh, new rock stars, their YouTube channel where they do the breakdowns and the Easter eggs and the conversations. And they talk about like all the comic books I haven't read and how it ties into all this stuff. And like, I, as a consumer of this media, like that's part of my viewing experience. Like I watch Loki for the hour it's on or the half hour, whatever it's on. And then I watch the other half hour of the breakdown and the stuff like that. And you know, that's not for everybody. But that's how I like. That's how I personally like to consume it. So I'm I'm into that. But I do think, you know, you get you get so wrapped up in like the Easter eggs of it all that sometimes like it's hard to focus on. Like, but is this good? And like, I think it was <laughs> sure. good. I think it's good. But like, that's that's kind of what I've been struggling with as like my end opinions on Loki. That's kind of where I'm at right now. And I'm hopefully by the end of this episode, I would I'll, I'll have massaged. A, a beautiful jewel of a take but I don't know yet yeah I'm actually on the opposite spectrum of you as a viewer just with the Marvel properties alone I would say typically I am right with you on easter eggs and really like binging on extracurricular material yeah. to help facilitate my overall opinion on something but I guess it's probably just because I'm finally starting to catch up with the Marvel properties. There are still a handful that I have left to see, but I'm pretty close to seeing all of these Marvel movies. Um, yeah. I watched Thor 2 prior to starting Loki. So, oh, what, Dark, like Dark a, World? The Dark World. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I really liked, and I don't understand why it gets so much hate, because <laughs> I thought I think- it was fairly good and i loved all of like the really weird star wars references with natalie portman like basically dressing like amidala when she was on asgard i loved all of that yeah. i like that movie i i watched it for the first time fairly recently because uh kirsten my partner and i have been watching the movies in timeline order um which is which is cool and uh mm-hmm. we actually watched we're at where like black widow should be in the mcu so we actually watched oh, cool. that so that kind of worked out pretty well for us um, cause I think that the weirdest thing about that movie is, is where it is placed in the real world where it came out. Yes. Um, but I, I, other than that, I still enjoyed it for the most part. Um, but yeah, uh, oh fuck, what was I saying? Uh, just talking about, um. Oh, Thor the Dark World. Thor the Dark World, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I remember, I, we, so we watched it for the first time and I was like, this movie still looks pretty cool. It looked cool on my TV. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just, it's them trying to do the Shakespearean style of Thor before it became the New Zealand goofball style, which is right. my preference. Um, but yeah, I don't think that movie deserves as much fun. I think it's a little too long. And I think the the stuff with the scientists being insane is a little, like, strange. A little weird. Yeah, it's just like, what is going on? And I, I think I remember, like, its climax just kind of being a little bit, like, everything's happened it's i don't really i don't really know what's going on anymore yeah everything's yeah, very strategic people, yeah it's not as bad as like people give it shit for i think 
it's probably just like how it came out. I'm not sure what it was sandwiched between with other Marvel movies. It could have been like it's like not the strongest of the bunch or like right. you know who fu- I I don't really remember. Um but that movie does get a lot of hate. That's definitely I feel like that's usually people's like bottom tier right. Marvel movies for the most part. It might be mine too, but I don't I don't go out of my way to talk smack about it too much. I'm like, it's weird. It's weird. It's kind of cool though. I think too, it was probably one of the only Marvel movies that you spend a good half of the movie with like the normies, with like the humans and not with like the superheroes. So I wonder if that too was a little too much for people. Yeah, that could turn people off. I remember like, I feel like a lot of people had criticism. A lot of people have many criticisms on Iron Man 3, which I think is great. I think the movie rocks. I remember a lot of people being like, he's barely in the suit. I'm like, the last act of the movie is like all the suits you ever need, bud. Like, <laughs> the only thing I think is weird about that movie is that they take out his arc reactor. And he's just like, looks like I'm done being Iron Man. And then he's like, Iron Man for at least 10 more years. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, all right. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. Yeah, but it's fine. I guess you don't want to, if you have the option to take the shrapnel out of your chest, retiring or not, it's like, you might as well just get that out. For sure. Can't be too yeah. comfortable. No, what if you go around like a magnet or something? I might fuck it all up. You want that. I would love to see now people's reaction to Thor The Dark World uh, after watching WandaVision, because people love Kat Dennings. It's Darcy. And it's like, that movie is a bunch of Darcy. Like, what's wrong with the movie? (laughs) It is a lot of Darcy. I mean, she is best in WandaVision, though. For sure. You know, she she really has her her time to shine there. Um, But, you know, it's interesting because these shows do, like, recontextualize, like, the... um, after WandaVision, the conversation around Ultron kind of, like, came back up and changed. Like, a lot of people were a little bit hotter on Ultron. Just like, you know, Ultron really set up what all these shows kind of are. And, like, it's kind of better than we remember it. And I watched Ultron, I think, for the first time as we were... No, I, wa- I watched it the first time a few years ago. But the second time I ever watched it um, was when we were doing the Timeline Order stuff. And it was after we watched WandaVision. I think we were mm-hmm. watching Captain Soldier Winter Falcon. And I was just like, oh, this movie kind of fucking rips. It's it also has this weird moments where there's like a scene or two where you're just like, what the fuck's going on? But for the most part, it's like it's pretty cool. I like what it's dealing with thematically. Um, I don't like the stuff they do with Black Widow, where she's like, I can't have babies. I'm a monster, just like you. It's like, what the fuck did you just say? That's weird. Yeah, that seemed very shoehorned. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. um, but for the most part, I think that movie's cool. And but I do think that movie's cool mostly for how it's like recontextualized with all this other media that's that it kind of inspired and led to, you know. Yeah, I hadn't seen Ultron either. That was on my list of films I needed to catch up on. I think I saw maybe the first two episodes of WandaVision and then went back and watched Ultron. So, yeah, yeah, I watched it pretty recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it hey, what was. Did you, what did you think about it? I thought it was fine. Um, it yeah, it's definitely fine. wasn't my favorite, <laughs> but like. No. There wasn't much else for me to say about it. I think those types of Marvel properties, though, the ones with like the big boom booms are always going to be for me. And that's fine. Yeah. I'll still watch them. Um, I'm I'm not opposed to them. I understand that they have a greater context in, you know, the grand scheme of things. So I'll watch them for that because I think, you know, if you're building a puzzle and the puzzle is the MCU... And there are, like, some purples and blues and reds. And then there are some, like, grays and browns. Like, some movies have to be the grays and browns of that puzzle. Yeah. I mean, you the know? big team-up movies are probably, like, the corner pieces, right? Oh, yeah. Like, oh, I know, I know these, these, will these go the here. Thing. Yeah, these yeah. are where these are. And then the other ones fill up the middle spot. Yeah. 
Right. Yeah, I mean, that's cool. I think the cool thing about the shows, too, is you get a lot of talky bits. You know, like... Yes. That's that's my main criticism on WandaVision is by the end of it, it turns into a Dragon Ball Z fight. And I'm like... <laughs> I'm I want like, more I talking. Know. Yeah, like more talking. And then you have the scene where, like, you know, it's kind of like... Uh, people have, have memed it to death, rightfully so, because the memes are good. But just, like, the Vision, talking to White Vision about, yes. like, the ship of Theseus thing. And it's just like... I mean, like, listen, guys, it's... Is pretty memeable, and you know, I, I think people just see the ship of Theseus parable as just like, oh, you don't know about it already? Like, you didn't take fucking philosophy 101, this is the first time you heard about it. But, like, that's a right. cool conversation. And contextually, with these robo people, it's just like, I don't know, man, hearing about that parable between robot friends is like pretty cool. Like, it's pretty cool. I don't know. Oh, yeah, as a teaching moment, for sure. It's really good character yeah. building. It's really good it's just, like, inviting the audience in to be like, see, we live in your world, and we think yeah. about these things just like you think about these things. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was great. And I just I just like those moments, like, you get more of the talking moments. I mean, even, like, the best parts of Captain Soldier Winter Falcon is them discussing race and just, like, sitting with Zemo on a plane and just, like, talking about shit. And you're just like, this is the best part of this show right now. It's so good. And the same can be said about Loki is him like having these conversations with essentially himself about like the nature of themselves. And you're just like, there, there's there's no way in a movie you can go this deep on a comic book character's like psyche. You know, there's no. just no time. It's no. cool. It's cool. I like it. Yeah. Like one of my biggest critiques with the Falcon and the Winter Soldier was I wanted them on that boat more. Like they introduced the boat in the first episode yeah. with the sister and then I was like, I want them to just, like, take some time and chill and, like, work on that boat together. And then we got a little bit of it, but I wanted yep. more. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah that's I hear you. Yeah, it's just like I want to see more talking. Or, like, you know, anytime, like, uh, Sam and um, Bucky are just, like, shooting the shit. Yeah. It's just, like, this is the best part of the show. It's very it's cool. so good. Even though I do, like, and, like, the John Walker stuff, too, is so cool. Him just being, like, yeah. how do I deal with this mantle I have to take up? And yeah, then when you like, see him fight stuff, you're like, it's fine. It's fine. It's cool. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> and that, I mean, that show had pretty good action, all things considered. But like, yeah, um, I'm definitely more it, with all these shows. I think I'm just more invested with them, like discussing stuff. You know, absolutely. So yeah, with with Loki, it felt to me like the conversations that Mobius, uh, Owen Wilson's character, who was awesome, the, yes. the conversations between Mobius and Loki, just like sitting at a library table and talking about the complications of. Like, what does it mean to have free will? Or I, I feel like I was placed here by a greater being, but it's all for a purpose. And that purpose is satisfying enough to me that I can live a comfortable life. Yeah. Um. Those conversations. Yeah, I love that all of that led to action and that the action didn't just feel like bookends for like brief conversations that characters would have. Cause I think that's my biggest issue when it comes to some of the big boom, boom Marvel movies is just yeah. that the conversation seems like just shoehorned in there to be like, well, it can't all be boom, boom. We have to have these characters talk to each other. Yeah, they, have to, they have to speak at some point, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, Loki I mean, felt them, like genuine and real. That action became a consequence to the conversation happening. Yeah. And I think the action was always like kind of like short and very satisfying, you know? Yes. Um, which I liked. I mean, you know, not to jump ahead too much, but like the climax of the show is is pretty actionless. Very, it's really very just much a so. Lot of, it's a lot of talking. Um 
It might be a little exposition heavy for my taste, but like it's pretty cool. So I'm like, ah, that's fine, I guess. <laughs> I mean, we'll we'll get there, but like, yeah, I think that's like one of Loki's benefits is is that it's uh, it's very conversational, you know. And yeah. they just have really good. They go to really cool places to have the conversation. Like I love the Lamentus episode so yes. much. I think that episode is so cool because they're just on this like crazy world that's like about to end and it's kind of like Snowpiercer a little bit where they're dealing with like class and they're just like injected into it and it's like that's cool I like that yeah so yeah to get back to your point that you made earlier yeah so when I was watching Loki I was really watching it with fresh eyes and I didn't have a lot of the supplemental material as to like what this means in the comics or where these characters were coming from because at the end of episode three where you see sylvie for the first time and you're introduced to this lady loki character um i was talking to mike burge of story screen fame uh, um yes, at the theater I've heard of him. and burge was like oh yeah like Lady Loki's interesting. She's an interesting character, and it'll be fun to see what they do with her because they could be using her for like three different reasons. And I was like, "All right, all right, that sounds awesome." I don't have any of that info going in, so I'm just going to go in and try to watch it as a show and see if it works for me narratively in this series structure. And yeah, yeah. I I definitely think it does. I think it works yeah. as a show for sure. I mean, like as far as I understand, like. Sylvie is kind of the combination of, like, a few different... Or at least, like, Lady Loki and Enchantress, which are mm. two different characters. Okay. Um, But I don't know much about, like, how they act or how they are. I just know that it's, like, she's in she can do enchanting, so she's kind of like Enchantress. And I think mm-hmm. Enchantress's name is Sylvie. And then Lady Loki, I believe, is, like, usually a different character. So they kind of, like, merge those. Which there is, like, you know, a few merging of character ideas that happen in this show. A big one that happens later. Mm. But, uh, yeah, I thought that Sylvie was cool. I I think the re- like, I really like Sylvie as a, a Loki who had just a very, the most different of upbringings, which make her, she's kind of more like a Thor in a way. She's very, like, she's very brash. Mm-hmm. She, you know, doesn't think things, she's not as trickster as Loki, you know, she's not as meditative right. as Loki. She's very... She kind of is like sword first, questions later. Um, and I like that that's the difference, you know? Like, she she didn't have the same upbringing as, as Loki normal style. Um, <laughs> and and those are the reasons why she's different. And, like, when they have, when they're in the Lamentus episode, when they're talking about the ways that they're similar and the ways that they're different, it's just like, oh, that's so cool. And it's, it's like that classic, like, you know, you go into the past and you step on a butterfly and now the future's like totally different. But like it's but to see it just carried out over like a, a conversation at a bar is like is cool it's just really cool to see. And I like I liked her character a lot. Um I thought her motivations were sound and I like that like she just was kind of like a force that couldn't be stopped, but she had like this tenderness to her as well that I really appreciated. Yeah, yeah. That actress, uh Sophia Di Martino I had seen in this weird Netflix show. Well, it's not a Netflix show. It was put on Netflix. I believe it was on some BBC station first. It's called Flowers. And uh, it has Olivia Coleman in it. It's uh, really weird. It's a strange show about two adults and the husband is a children's book writer. And all of the characters are strange, but she plays the daughter. 
And that was the only thing I was familiar um, with her going into this. And I'd love to see her in more things because I thought her acting, her acting choices in the show were really great. And I really liked what she brought to the character, too. And I think it was a smart choice on their part, casting someone who was probably pretty unknown to American audiences. Mm -hmm. Um, That way you weren't projecting any, like, preconceived notions of her as a person um, going into this Sylvie character. But yeah, I I think their interactions together were great. Um, My kind of personal theory didn't carry through completely to the the finale the finale kind of changed my perception of the characters but at first i was reading loki and sylvie's connection as a very like trans connection just because loki and also all of the other lokis that were in the void keep like realizing that they're broken and that there's something broken in them that Mm-hmm. is causing them to be unable to fulfill their like grand destiny or to get them what they ultimately want and for them to find success but it feels like our loki that we're watching the variant loki is finally starting to kind of like embrace his other half which is like his feminine side and he's doing that through his connection with sylvie and starting to like finally become a whole person and so it kind of seemed like they were, like, pushing this non-binary uh, storyline. But that kind of didn't follow through completely until that final episode. Because I was a little bummed that I feel like they pushed the romance, if you could even call it that, um, a little bit harder in the final episode than what I was anticipating. But I think, too, that she kisses him as a way to, like, pull him in before she can betray him. Yeah. So it seemed like I mean, a ruse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he. It's pretty true to the way that he like drunkenly describes love with a dagger that yes. like disappears at the end. So that's like you know kind of a callback to that moment or a call forward. I'm not mm-hmm. really sure. <laughs> but you know, I do think like him. I do I, the trans uh, theory. I definitely think you know could have held up if they went with it, right? Sure. Like you know, especially if you just have the. At least if you're looking at it in the binary sense and, and having just these two characters of different genders, like that could surely be a thing to look into. I I, I think now that we know how it ends, and I, I kind of see it again when they're discussing like nature versus nurture and you know, this show about a villain, right? This show about like a Marvel villain who's done some pretty bad shit, all things considered, that, that we've seen him do. He had his redemptive moment, um, but it was his death, you know. Mm-hmm. Um but I think it was just like a lot about him learning to to like love himself. Like if you have a yeah. character who's falling in love with another version of himself, I feel like that's kind of the message they're going for is him kind of learning like I can change, I can love myself, I do these things because of my labels and who I am told I am. I'm the strictster person. I'm, you know, he's he's kind of always like he's been predestined almost outside of his control to be a kind of a piece of shit you know um so he has to learn that like he doesn't have to be a piece of shit no more the baby the baby thinks people can't change (laughs) (laughs) but i can change but i can change i'm worried that the baby thinks people can't change that's a that's a i think you should leave reference but um yeah i feel like him like falling in love with sylvia is him kind of like learning to accept himself and maybe you know, and then Sylvie's kind of the opposite. And and it's true when she's just like, I'm not like you because she 
doesn't want to change her destiny at all. She wants the thing that she she came into the show wanting something and she gets it by the end. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, uh Tommy Loki, Loki Tommy, he's, you know, he's Love like it. I can I can change. I don't want the throne. I just want you to be okay. Like he just cares about this person. And maybe it's a certain extent he's just like and I want to be okay. I want to be okay. I don't know if I want a throne. I just like don't want to fuck up. I'm tired of fucking up. I watched this whole video of me fucking up. <laughs> I just don't want to fuck up anymore. And she's just kind of like, I don't really care. <laughs> I do. <laughs> right. But I do think like she feels remorse. I do think in that Definitely. moment she's like, maybe not even remorse. Because I do think she does it. And she's just like, yeah, I did want that pretty good. Um, and she's going to have to deal with the consequences of that. But I do think she's like, I wish I didn't have to fuck over my new man friend who is also me. <laughs> <laughs> right. But they keep talking about like their love being this Nexus event, and I guess to a certain extent it is, just not in the way that you would maybe expect, you know, because like they they're they're it's through their connection that they have really fucked things up a little bit, you know. Right, they're right. The, they're the last. They're like the the last Nexus event to happen to a certain extent. They're the final Nexus event. They're the Nexus event of all Nexus events. Yeah, it's it's finally like the moment where a Loki does have enough care and love to show to someone else. And it just happens to be himself. But yeah, that's probably never happened before. Because in the previous films, like you do see that Loki cares for Thor, but there's always kind of like something standing in the way of him fully getting to that point where it's like a complete trust, a complete love in someone. I mean, and yeah. it's like it's like his nature, right? Where he's just like, yes. but I gotta kind of fuck him over. Or at least that's like I think how the audience is always supposed to interpret it. It's like, can't trust Loki. That's just what he does. And this show is all about like, how do we? Maybe not. <laughs> how do we teach the audience to trust Loki? And yeah. and uh, I think as we are like, no, it's like I think we trust him. He seems pretty upset. They're like, all right, well, the one person who really needs to doesn't. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's interesting. Or, or again, like, doesn't care. I feel like that's, like, a big part of it, where she's just, like, what I want, I want more than what you want. And that's just kind of... How it's going to go. Is. Yeah. Yeah, especially... I think that's a smart way, and also just a very common way to write story, is that if you have a, a character who's strongly believed that they have to achieve this one thing, they're not going to be thinking about what comes after that one thing. Yeah. And yeah, I think Sylvie very much is a strong character that was written with a strong inner desire and journey. And of course, when a character is so like in the tunnel of what their journey is supposed to be, they don't really see the beyond point after they've achieved this, you know, grand scheme. Yeah. And so, yeah, I I agree with you. I don't know if it's remorse that she's feeling, but she's definitely uh, like, oh, well, I did it. So what now? And Loki in that yeah. final battle is trying to tell her, like, we don't know what's going to happen. If you achieve it, we don't know what's going to happen. And she yeah. doesn't care until it's too late. And then she realizes, oh, okay, well, yeah, I did the thing and it felt great. But here we are now. What's yeah. what's next? I mean, in her defense, the alternative, the other choice, because it's presented as this binary option. Which the is other strange. choice. It's it's strange. I mean, I, I think that's part of, you know, the fine the the he who remains. I think yes. that's part of his his plan. You know, he's 
to convince them that there are two paths. There are two options, which, yeah. I mean, all things considered, it seemed like there was kind of two. I don't know. I'm not really sure what the other options could have been. In a show where if you don't choose two options and all of a sudden a million spring up, then maybe mm-hmm. there should be more. I don't know. I think that's the point. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, the uh, the alternative option doesn't appeal to her at all. Like, why would no. she want to lead the TVA? Like, fuck it. Why the fuck would she do that, you know? If she were to lead it, it would be to destroy it from the inside, which she is in the process doing. of doing already, you know? Right. So it it made sense. But I do think in, in a roundabout way, this is also what this character maybe wanted as well, you know? Yeah. Like, how, how much of a gambit was it? This is the gambit. It's just like, well, I think he has pretty good odds. <laughs> you might have the cards, like, stacked. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, so... That was very exciting, um, getting to see Jonathan Majors from Lovecraft Country and The Last Black Man in San Francisco. It was interesting. Yeah. I think the the only thing that was a little disappointing to me was, yet again, another humanoid creature at the end. I feel like Marvel sometimes is difficult for me, personally, to see as like this intergalactic journey and experience when most of the aliens or most of like the mysteries are very humanoid. So, yeah. I mean, do, do you know? So, I'm trying to figure out the best way to ask this question. Sure. How much did you know about Jonathan Majors being cast in Marvel stuff prior to this episode? Nothing. Okay. May I tell you? Sure, things? sure. Yeah. No, I was very in the dark going into Loki okay. on purpose. But yeah, you can you can tell me what is your your knowledge. So he was he was already cast as like it's like out there known. Sure, you could look it up. He was cast as Kang the Conqueror in Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania. Mm. So he's been cast as this character. So they cool. kind of did another put together of characters because he who remains in the comics is the creator of the Timekeepers and the creator of the TVA. That's like cool. his role in the comics. So, but they kind of merged it where he who remains is a Kang the Conqueror variant and king the conqueror in the comic books is uh he is from he's a scientist from the 30th century his real name is nathaniel nathaniel richards he's a descendant of like reed richards in that in that lot fair um and sometimes he uses doom technology to kind of like do this thing but he's he's marvel's time traveling villain so sometimes he goes to egypt and becomes a god there He'll go to all these places like that's like his thing. So it would make it made sense. And a lot of people were theorizing that Kang the Conqueror was going to be the big bad of the season. There's a few things alluding to it when they're in the like void area. There's like a few Kang related things you could see in the background. So we were just like pretty sure Kang the Conqueror is coming up. But other 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 people were like, well, it'd be hard to introduce this character with this much lore in the last episode of the series, because this isn't before we knew the be season two. Sure. So, so them introducing him as he who remains is kind of an interesting workaround with that. But Kang the Conqueror in the comic books has many sh- shapes and sizes, but his most well-known look is that he's like in kind of a similar suit that you see him when he's like in his um, statue look. Uh-huh. Um, but he has like a blue face with this like purple helmet around him. Okay. And I do think it's cool that they reveal this character not having that look, but just being a black man and just like not having to, you know, introduce a character who's played by a black man who looks like an alien, you know? So I do think there's a certain level of like, I think it's cool that they just kind of let him be 
a this human. guy, you know? And like, I think Marvel for a long time has had a um, diversity issue, you know? I think it's slowly, so slow getting better, <laughs> but it's be- but it's getting better. Like, you can't like shoot them in the foot when they're walking towards progress, but it right. could be, it could, it could, you could get in there a little faster, right, guys? Right, gang? <laughs> but like, I do think it's cool that like, you know, they introduce this character who is otherworldly, who is alien, boy, it gets just to be played by this character who doesn't have a bunch of shit on his face and yeah. he's just a black guy, you know? He gets Fair. to be a person of color on screen and acting. And Jonathan Majors, such an amazing actor, so amazing. And he really plays this character who, like, feels, like, ancient and loopy. And, like, he has, like... I, I watched this one video that kind of called him, like, Heath Ledger Joker-esque, just in terms of, like, the unevenness that he was, like, capturing in his performance. And oh, it's yeah. very cool. And it's exciting to see him, you know, he's going to be playing like seven fucking thousand versions of this character. Because Kane the Conqueror, you can put in anything. Anything. It's it's kind of scary just to think about like, he could be the bad guy for the next like seven movies. You know, <laughs> uh, hopefully they use him sparingly. We know he's going to be Kane the Conqueror proper in at least Ant-Man and the Wasp. And it seems like he's going to be, because he's in his Kang outfit at the end end of, yes. the, of the show. Right. So, so we'll see. How that is, but it's it is interesting. I do think it was a really smart choice to combine He Who Remains and Kang and introduce him into the MCU that way. And I thought it was a pretty like elegant solution. I mean, they fucking gave us enough exposition to make it make sense. Oh, definitely. But, uh, but I was with it, you know. Per- personally, that's that's I was with it. But yeah, that's like that's like the Kang the Conqueror one hundred and one, which I I'm not super familiar with other than the videos I've watched on him because I have never I've never read a comic where he's been the antagonist of. But that's what I got. Gotcha. Yeah. So Marvel studio heads, if you're listening, and we know you are. Yeah. I would yeah, love, love to see <laughs> um, some more alien-esque creatures. But clearly, because I did not know anything about Kane the Conqueror or any of the casting going into this, that uh, this wouldn't have called for that. But yeah, I love the fact then with that brief explanation that you gave, which I thought was very succinct and helpful. Um, I love that <laughs> he was even like, cause when they finally meet him and so he says like, Oh, he who remains. And he has that like quick throwaway joke about miss minutes. And he was like, Oh, she still calls me that. So yeah, that's really cool that they're like combining these characters and yeah. He gets to like easily just brush it aside and be like, oh, that's funny that that's a name that she uses for me because that's not my name. And yeah, it's like a cool like little insider thing now that I'm aware of who Mm. this character is. But yeah, I thought Jonathan did a great job of exactly doing what you were talking about. Just like you could tell that he was out of it and he's been out of it for a long time. Still highly intelligent and with it to a certain extent, but you can tell he has a hard time interacting with people. You can tell that he just like doesn't have those skills anymore because he's been so isolated for years. Yeah. And, and he's on the cool precipice character. of what he thinks to be the, the end. end of time. Yeah. You know, and he's like, yeah, I think this is it. Like, I think it's really cool. And I, and I really like how the show plays with that moment of like, because as an audience member, I think you're supposed to be really like confused, not confused in what's like happening, but confused as to like, Where's it going to go? Who's telling and... the truth? Yeah. What's going on? Because they're, they're like, I don't know if we can trust him. I'm also the trickster god. And he's just like, 
maybe you can't trust me. I don't know. I'm crazy, clearly. And you're like, I don't know what's going on. I can't trust him. And then Sylvie's just like, I'm gonna kill someone in this room. He's going down. And it's like it's a really cool play on like on just like the action that's happening in the scene. But yeah, it's interesting. I mean, there's so many different things they can do with that character now. But I do like the idea that Kang is like the or like he who remains is like, hey, I was keeping all the bad versions, all the Kang and the Conquerors, not fucking with you guys. Yeah. I made this because other versions of me are very smart and pretty shitty. So I'm making this not happen. You kill me, they're out. They're yeah. coming they're coming for you, you know? Yeah. I also think like the way he explains like the universe is being stacked my Peabody brain, I guess, like, doesn't really understand. It's like, what? what does it fucking matter? Like, if you're stacked or not stacked or next to each other? Like, I don't really know. I think that was um, just a visual thing that they could do. To explain it, yeah. yeah. And then I was thinking of, like, I had a theory, and I'm not sure if it really holds up, but I was thinking, like, maybe the MCU timeline, the way they're explaining it as, like, the sacred timeline is, like, is the, is, like, the the main timeline, and then this show is, like, like, what of the MCU is, is, like, the OG first timeline of all this stuff? Because multiverse shit happens in the comic books for Mad Long. And then we saw how, like, this is how all the comic books now happen and stuff. This is how all the stories now make sense because we're, we're breaking it up. But then it yeah. gets confusing. Because I think the whole thing about this show that I keep thinking about because it confuses me is they talk about there being one timeline. But in Doctor Strange, they talk about how they get their magic from the multiverse. And I don't get it unless time and dimensions are different which th- i that that's could fine. be possible yeah that could be possible but it's a little confusing to me and it drives me a little crazy <laughs> yeah i think uh especially with what they're setting up with the finale where loki thinks he's getting sent back to the same tva that he thought he was coming from quickly finding yeah. out that it was a different timeline Different versions of these people. Yeah, that was cool. Um, are there? They don't know who he is. They have no idea what's going on. And we have the one Kane statue as opposed to the three Timekeeper statues. Yeah, chilling in the TVA. Yeah, I think especially with the new Spider-Man coming out, with the new Ant-Man coming out, and the new Doctor Strange, I think they're about to hopefully clear things up for everyone. As to, I think it will make more sense soon. I agree. Yeah, as to what's going on with all these different timelines slash multiverse slash yeah. you know, kind of like there'll be I think a good marriage of the two. Of yeah, well structures. I feel like Doctor Strange is going to be like you guys fucked everything up that I do. <laughs> yeah, everything that I'm in charge of, you all fucked. You up. messed but it tomorrow, up. But but I say Doctor Strange, where you been though? Mm-hmm. Where you been though? Like this is all going on. Shouldn't you you should be like knocking at the door, being like, hey, we're excuse not- me. We're not doing this. Right. You know? So I am curious to be like, because he's kind of like the X factor. Because people thought he was going to show up at the end of WandaVision. Yeah. People thought he could have showed up at some point during this. Yeah. And it's true. Like, this is his realm of protecting. He says it in, in Endgame. He's just like, I'm here to make sure your fucking reality works. And it's just like, all right, well, reality not been working. So you've been on vacation. Like, what's going on? Because <laughs> reality is getting pretty fucked up right now. But I do think that's why, like, the new Spider-Man movie comes out mad soon. Yeah, like it comes out in December, and it's so weird we haven't gotten a trailer yet. And I, I think, think it's, it's cool. because they're waiting for this I, to maybe well, blow I, over. <laughs> well, blow over, but like I think they're trying to, you know, some element of what happens in Loki is yeah. most likely going to be relevant in Spider Man for sure. Because because the way they're setting it up is going to be kind of like a multiverse 
narrative as well. You know, trying to chase that into the Spider-Verse goat. So we'll see. Definitely. I I think they made a really smart move in Endgame where Captain Marvel shows up and people are like, well, where were you? And she was like, there are other places to protect. Like, I can't be yeah. on Earth 24-7. So I assume they'll do a very similar thing with Doctor Strange. Like, I was in sorry. Space Hawaii <laughs> relaxing. Because if I don't chill for however much time for I 10 need, seconds. nothing's getting fixed. So fucking give me give me some slack please. yeah i was getting my capes dry cleaned can you chill out can't go anywhere without if my capes getting dry i can't do anything without it <laughs> i can't do anything without it please but yeah the other question i had about the finale is i'm so excited to see where gugu mbatha raw's character uh judge renslayer like, mm-hmm. they very briefly got into her, like, storyline, like, back in 2018, Ohio. And I don't know if she'll play a bigger part or if yeah. that was just a mere aside to be like, see, we told you she was a variant. Do you believe me now? <laughs> and then the well, guy's her, like, hmm, I do believe you. Yeah. Her character is also from the comics and she oh, is Kang's cool. love interest. <gasps> no. So, so she, you know, so there's some theorizing that, like, um, she, 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 this whatever variant we're seeing doesn't seem to know what's going on. I think she knows that like the time coopers are robots, but even then, I'm not, I'm not really sure if I remember what her reaction to all that was. So she's like in on it a little bit, but I don't think she knew much about he who remains or who he was. But there's some theorizing that she's some some level of puppet by uh, Jonathan Major's character, but who knows? I, I am curious. I mean, my my main question leaving season one. And learning that there's a season two, because they could have just left it a different ending, but left it as this is Loki One and now season. we're dealing with multiverse conflict. Yeah, for sure. So we still all are getting that. But then it's like, when does season two happen? Because if season two happens in a year, then we can deal with like the fallout of what's happening here. But if it's like we have Into the Spider-Verse, Multiverse of Madness, or not Into the Spider-Verse, I'm sorry. No, uh, far, far from fucking, home. I don't know. No, that's the second one. Oh, yeah. No Way Home. No Way Home. No Way Home. No Way Home, which is going to deal with multiverse stuff. Mm-hmm. Multiverse of Madness. Quantum Mania. Then Loki? Because then, then so like, much well, has changed. What else could we talk about oh, no. with Loki? <laughs> well, it's like, well, now the whole the whole show is different. And then right. does Thomas Hiddleston's Loki, does, Tom, does Loki Tommy show up in those things as well? I don't really know. <laughs> I don't really know. Right. So I don't want to say it's confusing because it's it's it's, it's not confusing because we don't know what's happening yet. It's unknown. Right. But uh, yeah, I'm curious. Like usually you leave a season of a show and you know at least what the first episode's probably going to be dealing with of the second season. Not here. And this one I'm just like, there's so much other shit that could happen before season two comes out. So I think that's that's kind of like the... It kind of like broke my brain a little bit. It's just like, I don't know what to expect in season two. I have literally no idea what to expect in season two. Yeah, it's interesting that it got greenlit so soon. I think they're aware that the fans have really loved it. And so, of course, they want to just build on it. But yeah, you would almost have to imagine that they have at least some very tiny understanding of the significance of even bringing it back. Because if not, yeah, why even plan for it when they have so much other content yeah. in the pipeline, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think that they they really plan their shit out, like... They do. So long in advance. Because, like, you know, Endgame was pre-visualized, like, 
2016, 2017. And then it was like, it was like done like well before it came out. Like, right. And I think that's, that's the criticism that I've heard or like that. That's out. Not that I've heard that's out. I don't talk to these people. I'm, I'm <laughs> a small, small little man, but that's like the criticism I've heard from like uh, directors that were attached to certain projects. And they're just like, the movie's like done before they get on board. Like they direct certain things. They, they attribute to these movies to, to a great extent. I'm sure they're sure. the keepers of the ship, but the previs that happens, like the action sequences and a lot of like what the plot is, is kind of done Sure, when they get there. So, you know, I think with like the shows, it's unless the show fucking tanks, it's less about how good the show performs and more about like, does the MCU need a Loki season two, you know, mm-hmm. and then how much can we change that we already have done to make it something that audiences really like, you know, like audiences fucking love WandaVision. WandaVision's super highly rated, but I don't think they need WandaVision season two. No, Maybe nor because would it Wanda make sense. dies in multiverse, you know, who knows? Yeah. Maybe it would make sense. I don't know. And maybe they just, they're like, oh, it did so well. I, that's, that's, that's what I think is going on. Like, I don't, I don't really know. Yeah. I feel like. It's hard to say. With WandaVision, definitely. It was like, well, we can't do the whole premise of her trapping themselves in television shows because now she's aware that she was doing that and she's kind of breaking out of that level of trauma. And so, yeah, they can't go back and do that again. And I think that was the beauty and like how crazy good WandaVision was, was because it was so fresh and different. But yeah, they can't just replicate that anymore because the cat's yeah. out of the bag. She's out of the sitcom. Like she knows. Yeah. Now. You can't, you can't replicate that narrative mechanism. Whereas right. like, you know, in, in Loki, you could replicate time antics that. can, can keep happening. If, right. if anything, now they can really, really keep happening because there's, you know, so many timelines and stuff like that. I mean, right. shit like this can really lead into secret wars. I'm wondering like how they're going to do team up movies. Cause are they going to do like, cause the end of like black widow, they have, uh, the character whose name is very long. Uh, Val, yeah, whatever. Like, Val, Val is great. <laughs> they have Val show up and, and it's just, it's just like the, it's just like the fucking weirdest after credit scene ever. And like, you know, there's, they're setting up dark Avengers or Thunderbolts, whatever. Yeah. The suicide squad of the MCU essentially. And I'm like, I wonder if that will be the TV's team up and they still have like a cinematic team up hmm. or are, or the, are the, the lines so blurred between TV show and movie where it's like, well, no, they can, ha- they can have their own movie. Because you'll fucking pay money to see it, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It's, I'm curious to see. Because, like, the end of Black Widow is so weird because she's a side character in that movie and <laughs> continues to be by the end of it where they're like, oh, uh, now we're setting up the Hawkeye show at the end of the Black Widow movie. And it's like... Weird. What did you just do? You, just do? you show me an <laughs> iPad at the end of this two-hour movie? That's true. It was an iPad. <laughs> What the fuck's going on here? <laughs> yeah, it's weird to hear me say, like, I don't care about that Julia Louis-Dreyfus character, but I don't care about that Julia Louis-Dreyfus character. But I think I it was like just because vibe. she was so poorly introduced in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I hated that the first line she said after walking up a very long hallway 
was these boots weren't made for walking. It's just like, who yeah. wrote this line? This was such a terrible introduction. I hate this person already. There's no yeah. redeeming this character for me. I mean, the thing I like about Nick Fury, because she's like the female Nick Fury. Right. right. That's like her That's like her thing. And, right. you know, you, if you put her lines into Nick Fury's mouth, you might like them a little bit more. Because, like, you know, Samuel L. Jackson just fucking, yeah, say anything. Yeah. He's got a good cadence. And they but did like, a good job of just, like, building him. And here he is. Slowly, right? Yeah. Like they show they show him for five minutes at a time. And that's what they're doing with her. Cause she that is like what her character is. That is her thing. Yeah. But yeah, I just like don't like her her vibe and I want to. I want I want her to be like, oh, she's like Lady Nick Fury. But I, the thing I like about Nick Fury is that like when you first meet him, it's like, you know, when you first like are introduced to Shield, like they're not necessarily like a good or a bad thing. They're just like the government. Sure is. And then yeah. you learn you learn that they're a bad thing with Hydra, you know, and that kind of like f- makes Shield come into question. It's right. pretty cool. So getting a Shield that's like kind of like, oh, we're already like not that good. <laughs> like I don't know. It's just like it's just like a little weird. I, I and maybe if I knew more about her from the comics, I'd be more like loaded with like this is pretty cool. But I don't know anything about this character other than like the pitch of her being like the female Nick Fury who puts together Dark Avengers and Thunderbolts, which is just like. That's cool, I guess. I'm pretty excited for the new Suicide Squad movie, which seems like that. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. I don't know. We'll we'll see. I, I like. I mean, I, those characters I like. I mean, I like Yelena. I like. Yeah. Uh, I like John Walker up until like they were like this character doesn't need to face any consequences for his actions. It's just like cool. <laughs> we saw him kill a guy. All right, whatever. Cool. So. That's that's less on him. I like that character, though. I thought, for the most part, that character was handled really well. So I'm excited to see more of them, but it's weird. Yeah. It's weird. I'm not that excited for the Hawkeye show, and that didn't make me any more excited no, for the Hawkeye show. Not at all. So, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I'll probably like it. Well, if anything, if the only reason that it actually made me care about that show is because I think, for Hawkeye, for me, he's he's fine. I don't... I don't really care. I don't feel yeah. compelled. But I guess if you tell me Florence Pugh is going to be in that show, all right. I guess I'm watching that show. <laughs> like she is yeah. the ticket in for me. Is like, do you do you have trouble imagine, imagining Florence Pugh in like a TV show though? I hadn't thought about that's it until now. I, so that's like something I like had a lot of trouble like grasping. Yeah, is like oh Florence Pugh in a TV show. It's like. She's way too good for that shit. But they're all kind of too good for that shit. I kind of thought the same thing about Tom Hiddleston, too, are, to a lesser extent. But I'm just like, yeah, here it is. But are for you her, it's shitting like, Pugh. on my favorite genre of media consumption? Not That's not what I'm trying to say, necessarily. But it's I'm having trouble just conceptualizing her in a TV show. Right. You know? Right. Obviously, TV shows are... Uh, they kind of They're kind of just very long movies now. So they require more skill, more budget, more... <laughs> things the only thing they don't require is conciseness to a certain extent or they have a little bit more wiggle wiggle room there yeah Um, but i just yeah i had trouble i had trouble just thinking about her being in a a show or at least seeing her just being in a marvel show too you know yeah yeah she's really like progressing rapidly in this marvel universe for sure but yeah uh the reason i really dug wandavision so much was because it seemed like it was actually paying homage and reverence to the form of television stories which i thought was great and then it was the first 
foray into TV for them as well. Exactly. But then I was disappointed because then when I watched the first episode for Falcon and the Winter Soldier, it very much felt to me, I'm like, oh, so they're just doing a really long movie. It didn't seem like their episodes really felt like contained episodes of television. It was just like, oh, this is the next chunk in this very long movie I'm watching. And then... Yeah. I had conversations and, yeah, I watched the whole series and it did feel like by the end they were clearer and they understood the definition of, like, separating these events into hour-long chunks. I was like, maybe I spoke too soon. But then Diana DeMuro shared with our group um, this interview with Kate Heron about Loki, and it was a really bad interview, um, really poorly written whatever mm. but there was a moment where kate heron did say that kevin feige really does view these television shows as long movies <laughs> and kate yeah. was like i was excited because it meant i got to make like a six hour loki movie and i'm like well that's good i'm glad she went into it with like a really positive attitude and it worked in her favor i still felt like watching loki that it was a television show i didn't feel like it was it felt more movie. distinct yeah it felt distinct yeah. and like they were paying attention to what each episode represented. And yes, of course it felt contained as a whole, but it did feel like they were paying reverence to the art of television writing, which felt nice, especially with the Lamentous episode. It was like, that's a contained yeah. episode of television. That was great. Yeah, you can kind of watch that on its own. Easily. Yeah, I think that's an interesting, you know, I think Kevin Feige sees it that way, maybe just because of like how it like, all works together Inter intertwines exactly like as the machine yeah. um but like you know if you're doing a season two of something like so so does he see it as just like this is loki too it's just like it's another season of a show dude like i don't fucking know like <laughs> i don't know you can even do i mean you can do loki shows without even tom hiddleston in it too i mean that's the thing with all these shows you can really interchange anybody to be anything especially if you start doing multiverse stuff it's like this you could just have classic loki be the main character now yeah <laughs> <laughs> Which is a show I'd watch. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's, I think that's an interesting way to to view it. Um, as a viewer of it, like, I, I felt it as a show. I think I think if you're going to release it, it, it it's interesting, because if they released it, like how Netflix releases shows, where it's like, mm -hmm. here it it's is. all here. I would understand that um, viewpoint a little bit more. You know, and I probably would consume it much like, that way like all at once like a little pig um <laughs> but if you're gonna release like you can't call it a long ass movie if you're if you're releasing it <laughs> once week a week, week. Right? yeah it's like i don't know it's like that's not how we watch movies it's not like you know i watch an hour of black widow and then they're like the fuck out of here <laughs> gotta come Tuesday. back next week <laughs> you want the rest of it you'll gotta come back it's one really long movie right like, uh really long <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know i uh yeah, I, I can't. I can't say I agree with that viewpoint. I definitely. I mean, I do like that they. I do like that all the shows feel impactful to yes. the canon. I think that's cool. That is very cool. It makes everything feel important. Yes. And I think that's if you are a Marvel fan, that's what you want out of this stuff. And I think they're delivering on that at the very even even a show like Captain Soldier: Warrior Falcon, which like fell short of my expectations. Like I still felt it as necessary viewing material, and. You know, I'm excited to see a Sam Wilson Captain America movie proper and see what that looks like, you know? Yeah, it'll be great to see them really dive into the race issue, which they kind of like got into and sometimes you thought that they were going to go deeper. 
studying yeah. that narrative and then they kind of like backed out so yeah i agree it's I, like i'm yeah. excited to see it's that another, it's another thing with like the diversity just like issue marvel where it's like you know you see them do it i mean the, the the way i was like explained to a friend of mine who was like pretty critical on them like not diving deep enough into it which is again like that's a fair criticism to have and i, I i'm with you there mm-hmm. but you know i'm just like you know if you're like a trump supporter and you're watching that show you're gonna be fucking pissed off sure you know because they're they're hitting it you know they're they're putting the cops in a, in a light that's accurate they're they're talking about these issues of race and uh if you're one of these like mega heads like you're not gonna like that show anymore and that's kind of cool to me because uh I don't want you watching that shit with <laughs> I don't want you to do me, you fucking creep. Get out of here. Right, right. This isn't for you, nor do you deserve it. Great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this this show about like Captain America is talking about America and if and, and they're being like pretty like open and honest about mm-hmm. it, you know? And like and, and if the criticism is just like, hey, I want more, that's a better criticism to have, or that's a better thing to have than like there's zero of this. And they're talk and they're having these characters do these things, you know. Yes. So like, you know, I, I don't mean to like shoot any criticism short because I again like I agree with it, but I do think again it's like I'm not trying to shoot anyone in the foot for like taking the steps to get there. Hopefully, right. we get there sooner. Yeah. You know, I I want to get there sooner, but yeah, it does seem like we're heading in that direction faster than what we were yeah. before. So that's good. Yeah. I mean, Loki gay as fuck now, so yeah, that's cool. <laughs> All, yeah, the, all of them are gay. I mean, if anything, even Crocodile Loki's pretty gay. So oh, that's big time. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Big gay, big queer energy for Crocodile Loki. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, since we're kind of nearing the end, any other um, like big things you wanted to talk about or any other favorite moments that you just wanted to say like, hey, that was great? Uh, I think the Lamentous episode was a, was a highlight for me. And... My main concern, because I like, I think the end of Loki is really exciting and really like makes me nervous. I'm nervous with any multiverse stuff because I don't want it to dilute the impact of narrative in these movies. Because you're just like, well, in the adjacent universe, it's this or whatever. You know, cut to a thing that we can focus on because you don't like the decision we made here, or like it makes like retconning more available as an option and it's just like it's just something that makes me nervous it's like uh the spider-man comic books when they introduced cloning i thought it was like so lame you know because i was just like you just kill you kill this character you're like well they can come back as a clone like i don't fucking know right but i mean marvel seems pretty cool they introduced scrolls which is like the biggest retcon button ever because you just be (laughs) like they were a scroll the whole time (laughs) but they've been pretty good about that for the most part um I still think Sharon Carter is a scroll because she acts so insane in the show. Yeah, that, she's in, in, that uh, character Captain was kind of a mess, right? <laughs> she just comes in. She's like, I'm crazy now. It's just like, yeah, you got fucked over by the organization you worked for. You're acting really intense, though. Yes. I don't know. Maybe yeah. you're a scroll because that's what that's what you can do now, right? And you were given a couple um, opportunities to come back and try to fix this. And you were like, no, I'm on the run. No. <laughs> I'm cr- I'm still fucking crazy. Like, cool. But yeah, that's my that's just like my only fear going forward is just like, you know, let's not lose. I don't know, just like what some, they've been it, I think it's probably yeah, you know, like let's not get too big where then consequences don't really matter. Mm-hmm. I guess is what I'm saying. Like, you know, because 
the cool thing about the Marvel movies is like, you know, if someone does something in these movies, you're like, well, you're probably going to see how it reacts to all these other characters later. But if like, you've got 700 fucking Thors all the time that they're talking about, it, it dilutes like the impact of those things. I don't think, I think that's like a, a fear that's like a little unfounded though. I think I'm just kind of like, you know, staring into the void of Marvel that they just opened <laughs> up and I'm just like, this is a lot of shit, but yeah, still people making it. We'll see. I th- I think uh, your desire is my desire just to see them stick the landing and not screw themselves over with what they've opened up. Because, yeah, yeah. I-, I do. I think with any, especially a short season of television where you know it eventually is going to have to tie into the greater uh, storyline, it's yeah. like I knew that the-, the finale would probably cut off too abruptly for me. And it did, but in a satisfying way. But it, yeah. it is just like, gosh, I was hoping to see them stick the landing here, but now I have to wait to see if they're going to stick the landing later. And yeah, I hope it I pays say, off. Though, I don't know about you, I left Loki more satisfied than the other two shows, though. Despite it kind of being yes. this giant cliffhanger, you know? like Very much I, so, but I think it's because the show yeah. was working the most for me overall in general. So it was yeah. going to stick the landing better than the other two shows regardless do you like i think we feel the same way about captain soldier but do you do you like wandavision more or loki more surprisingly loki i really thought that i was going to leave loki enjoying it but pretty much like that first episode blew me away and then the second episode only like doubled down on my enjoyment i'm like well, I like this better than WandaVision now, and I didn't think that was going to be possible. Yeah, I think I'm kind of in between because I, I really like WandaVision. Oh, me too. But yeah, I don't know. I also really like Loki. The Lamentous episode, I think, is so good. I remember I read a review that was just like trashing on it. I was just like, this is like the what? best episode of the season, bro. Like, this is so cool. I think it takes but, people uh, out because it was such a radical change, even though they had only yeah. had two episodes prior. To get to the third episode and then be like, nope, this is kind of a different show now. Very cool We're and very bold. Doing this. Yeah. Whereas, like, I mean, I really, I do really like WandaVision. Because I think, like, the first, like, four episodes of WandaVision, like, rock yeah. so hard. And then, like, it, like it, they're so good that even when the show gets a little bit weaker, you're still so invested. And it all still, like, checks out, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, yeah I, we'll, I think. We'll see. I like Loki, though. I, I really like, I think Loki's really good. I think Loki's a great show. Yeah, I think WandaVision knew what it was doing, too, when they introduced the Evan Peters character. And it was like, oh, cool. They know how to keep it fresh. Because, like, the show was just starting to change. And they were like, surprise! And It's interesting, because I think the Evan Peters thing blew up in their face a little bit. Not not for me, as a a viewer. Like, I think for for other people. Just because expectations kind of get the the thing about loki i think like this really satisfying thing for fans especially as me watching like the extracurricular stuff everyone's like we want king the conqueror they better fucking have king the conqueror at the end of this shit oh well they and, gave like, it people, to him that's they gave it to him and people are really jazzed about that like i think loki is in a lot of people's eyes their favorite of the shows because they got king <laughs> and i do and like i mean that's i think that's like the the weird thing did you watch Mandalorian season two? Yeah. So I think Mandalorian season two has set up the most dangerous precedence yes. for these shows. Yeah. Because that's that's why WandaVision, like, 
I think by the end of it, it just gets a little messy because you're also hearing all the viewer feedback. And they're, and- yeah, because like they're they're like, what's the big reveal? What's the big reveal? And the thing is like, ain't none ain't none of these shows gonna have as big of a reveal as Mandalorian season two, right? That's some bonkers shit that shouldn't exist. <laughs> yeah. and it did it. <laughs> yeah, that was ridiculous. But, but the thing is, like, that's that's kind of like I think even in uh, yeah, because for WandaVision, like, we gotta see Mephisto, we gotta see Doctor Strange. Blah, 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 blah. Also, I mean, uh, Paul Bettany kind of like shot themselves in the foot because he's just like, there's a really big cameo yeah. at the end, and it's him. And it's him. <laughs> Which I again, like, I'm Love into it. it. I really, yeah, hilarious. The, my problems with WandaVision is not that they didn't have a big reveal. No, you know, that's not that's not the issue I had. Um, but I think a lot of people were just like, oh, I'm hurt that Evan Peters is not like the actual Quicksilver. I'm like, it's so it's, cool. It's a hilarious like, joke. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. Ha- fucking relax. Yeah. Um, but the thing with Loki is that like, I think they get to have like what the cake of WandaVision was and they got to eat it too because they had Kang at the end. Yeah. Huge. Like, and, and again, it just sets up more dangerous precedents for these shows where it's like, you better show me the fucking thing yeah. i demand it. it it's lucky or, or like they want the big surprise you know yeah it's lucky that loki had the marriage of the two where the reveal was still satisfying within the context of the show and luckily it just yeah. happened to be what the fans i guess were hungry for at the same time yeah definitely that rarely like, happens though so yeah i think showrunners should cool it on that stuff like they should go with the ending that makes the most sense not the one that people yeah. are clamoring for loki's lucky because it's kind of all of it right it's right. like it's it made the most sense i again i think it's i think it's a really he who remains in the comic books it kind of looks like a raisin person he's weird <laughs> um so like doing like combining introducing kang in this way as this like man of many faces uh-huh. it's super accurate to the comics it's it's really cool i just think he's such a loaded character it's like yeah. it's it's scary introducing him because like Again, there's like some comics where he it goes to he time travels to Egypt and change, and then the Fantastic Four has to go to Egypt to fight him, and it's just like I don't know, it sounds confusing. <laughs> so that's again, that's the thing. But I mean, I'm also down to see more Jonathan Majors uh, just at all times, at all times. So it's cool. It's cool that he gets to be this character that can be anywhere and do anything because it's just like so you're yes, saying please. we get we get more. <laughs> cool. I'm into that. <laughs> yeah, it was a crazy. Uh... Just like coincidence that he and Woonmi, who played, uh, I think her name is B-19. She's like the main TVA agent who's like being convinced that she's yeah, a variant. She's great. She has and one she of the best in moments of the show, Lovecraft too. Lovecraft Country as well. So yeah. it's cool to see those two actors um, again. Yeah, she has a, a lot of great moments in the yeah. show. She's, she's a cool character. But yeah, uh, the, the big things that I want to shout out is I uh, thought it was a great reveal with the Infinity Stones being used as uh, paperweights. It's very good. A very quick, easy aside to just make how devastating everything was seem like so yeah. minute in this grand scheme of things. Very sad. Very funny. Um, yes. I loved... I still got chills. I've seen it three times now when they land at that... Uh, it's like a basically like a superstore like the walmart in the future when they're hunting yeah the rocks on yeah which is like another that's another like other comic book fucking thing oh so cool yeah i had no idea but like Mm -hmm. the 
cinematography in those shots and also just like the composer natalie holt that music the is score amazing. in the show is crazy good isn't it so the good? way it, it well the way that they're blending like asgardian like folk music into like sci-fi lamentous cyberpunk world it's like that's all really cool um big time yeah the score for this show is really good yeah and I love how they like keep like twerking it just a little bit, like that main theme, just Twerk- they, twerking, they keep it, twerking, tweaking it. it. <laughs> they keep shaking that song. Hey, I'm thinking yes. of that like big robot twerking in front of the rock song. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, yeah, I can agree with that. They're they're yeah. really twerking it. On this one. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like the small like changes they make to the score throughout the show, yeah. just to give it like the the different like emotional heft that they need is mm. uh really really cool and i really loved too when they were uh in the void trying to get to the person behind um i'm rem- forgetting the name of the beast athiel eliath that's Eliath. when they're trying yeah. to get beyond it's very like wizard of oz and yeah. I really I mean, appreciated whole, whole, all of that reference. Yeah. All those, like, The last two episodes is very Wizard of Oz, right? Very cool, the right? The road leading to him. He's the man behind the curtain. Yeah. Um, there's some shots that, like, again, I, I know this from, like, videos I watch, but there's some shots that are, like, the same, like, literally the same. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the it's cool. The literary cool. reference and, the, like, the film filmic reference points, all of the callbacks, mm-hmm. perfect. Yeah. I feel like we didn't Very even much enjoyed not, that. not to not to extend anything beyond it's you know we'd be talking for a while but <laughs> I also really like the the introduction of the many Lokis I thought yes. was really cool I really like that episode um, I think another weird thing about the show is just like how it makes like Endgame feel like inconsequential in some ways I mean granted this type of show uh, with smaller a smaller cast more character development this is always going to be just more for me anyway. Yeah. So, but just the idea of like you know again like the time like the the stones in the drawer thing yes. them like making the timeline of everything just shatter like it just it makes something that was like the biggest cinematic event two years ago just kind of feel like yeah so does like it matter <laughs> which is like I, like part of me is just like I'm into that but yeah. also like that's my fear that's the thing that I'm scared of it's like does any of it matter or have impact when you multiverse the shit out of everything you know yeah. It's a it's an interesting balance. I'm curious to see them strike. Yeah, I I guess uh, to me it's just a good like. Hey, we know you've been with us for a long time, and we know that we've been building to this one thing. Yeah, but forget it. It's in the past. <laughs> like we're moving we're forward. Shit. We're doing new shit. I mean, I mean, I like that too. We we are your masters. You are our slaves. <laughs> like, it's true. You will yeah. give us no, money no it. matter what. I will give them money. I will give them my Disney Plus subscription, which is now worth something after a few months of being like, I guess I just watched The Simpsons on this. Yeah, there you go. And I was just like, yeah, I'm watching the new shit. Yeah, I'm I'm very curious to see what they do going forward. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's exciting as it is terrifying. Sure. And yeah, that line on the uh, Lamentous episode where Sylvie, you know, rightfully so, claims that Loki is drunk and Loki says, I'm not I'm just full. But mind you, I'm very full. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm going to be using that for yeah, the rest of my life. <laughs> that is good. Yeah, man. It's a good it's a good show. It's a very it was a very satisfying Marvel experience. 
Um, Very much so. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. Anything else that you would like to discuss? However brief. I'm excited about the next Marvel show, which is the What If animated series. Because I think that shit looks fucking cool yeah that really came out of left field for me because i wasn't really tracking that they were going to be doing anything like that i yeah i knew it was coming and they released some still images so i was like it looks fucking cool i think they actually did have like a shorter trailer that came out like a year or so ago but the the big trailer was cool and i think it's interesting that they it's coming out after loki where they introduce all this multiverse stuff and that's the whole kind of like conceit of the show it's like well what if this was different what if this was different exactly um i think it'll be interesting to see that like they got a lot of like the cast from the movies to reprise their roles in the animated show but a lot of them also didn't like that'd be weird robbie Dennage. yeah like it's it's um uh chadwick boseman's last performance as t'challa is in the cartoon which is crazy that is crazy you couldn't get robert downey jr back <laughs> fuck you <laughs> come on robert get back in there he's done he said he's done he's done that's true. I, also, I don't know if they got Chris Evans back or if he just is not in the show. I'm not really sure. Yeah. But it'll be interesting yeah, we'll to see, see what comes of that. I think it'll be I think it'll be cool. I'm very excited for it. I think it looks really cool. Yeah, I agree. Well, great. Uh listeners, since we have you here and you've made it to the end, I want to say thank you for listening and uh chilling out with us while we talked about Loki. If you have any comments or things that you would like to say to us or questions feel free to reach out to us we are all over the place we're on instagram we're on facebook we're on twitter you can engage with us through all of those different channels always go to our main mothership it is storyscreenbeacon.com and you can find all of our social media handles through there as well and then obviously You probably are aware, but there are plenty of other podcasts to listen to on the Story Screen Presents channel. We have hot takes, we have overdrinkers, we have special episodes that are coming to you throughout these uh, current months. Uh, We're releasing slowly but surely members-only content. Um, However, if you want that members-only content right now, as you should... You can go to storyscreenbeacon.com and buy a membership pass, which is only $5 a month. And you can get all kinds of exclusive content, whether that be videos, podcasts, or articles. And all of those are great and super affordable. Robbie, do you have anything special that you would like to plug? Uh, nothing too specific. I always encourage people to go over to our YouTube channel where we have a lot of really cool videos and stuff. Uh, we all contribute to it. I edit uh, a lot of them and I'm I'm very proud of them. (laughs) And I always, I always like to share them with people. Uh, we got stuff from like a recap of Fast and the Furious as a saga, which was cool and, and played at the movie theater and, uh, or, you know, we do... I'll make videos covering uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe and, and the shows and stuff. Will I make one for Loki? I'm still deciding, but <laughs> I have to figure it out soon because it should go up soon. If I am. <laughs> well, we'll see whether the timeline branches in that favor. But if not, we're just sure. on this timeline instead. Robbie Variant might be well ahead of me on that one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll see. But yeah, Robbie, thanks for joining me and Thank chatting that Loki. Me. Yes, it was a pleasure. I feel very well informed now. <laughs> I I know so much more now than what I did 
an hour ago. I always recommend if, if you're ever interested in in learning now that you've watched Loki, maybe you're more interested in like learning more about the comic book stuff now that it's like over. Um, but new rock stars on YouTube, they do the the best recap Easter egg videos. They they inspire me, and I want to be Eric Voss when I grow up, even though I might be older than him. But uh, <laughs> he's great, and uh, yeah, I recommend their content uh, a lot. It's really good for for Mar- if, if for anyone who's like curious on like doing the recap thing with the sh- with those shows new rock stars is where it's at for sure and then my content but i make it less <laughs> but there's <is> better <laughs> don't say that <laughs> well there's this i'll get there different. i'll get there one day i'll get there one day yeah they have a lot more i think they have a team of people that make it yeah you don't have all your variants with you all the time no but we're working on it yeah. i got the nerds in the lab cooking up something <laughs> all right well we have reached the end thank you robbie again Thank you. And thank you, listeners. We will catch you on the flip side. Bye.